Welcome to the Event Tech Pull-Up. My name is Tess Vismo from iSocialX and I'm just, See, I'm, I'm, it's the proverbial pause again. I, it, I, you know what? And I'm, that, that, I've decided now that that's my thing. <laughs> I love it. I love that that's your thing. But he's still my partner in crime, Keith Johnston. With i3 events. I, yes, I, 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 I guess. <laughs> I love but it. I love it. I'm going to so, embrace you know, my you pause. Know, I know. I was going to say, you know, my whole platform is respect pause. So that goes lovely, lovely, lovely. Boom. There you so, go. <laughs> so what we have for you today is um, another um, aspect of engagement, right? Um, we're talking about technology all of the time, but we're also talking about the, the humanistic aspect, how people come together, how they connect, how we bridge bridges, how we do something different <laughs> different with how we engage finally something very very different so before we get on to our first guest you know we're kicking off with the news of the week microsoft edge is dead you know i'm not a fan of microsoft i yes i said it on record i usually only say it in my sex sessions but not necessarily fan. so why is it dead keith well microsoft edge is dead but long live Microsoft Edge. Um, so basically, um, Microsoft Edge was the successor to the Internet Explorer browser. Um, if you still use Internet Explorer, please stop. Even stop. Microsoft is begging you to stop. Stop. Uh, it is I have so horrible. many people I say this to all the time, Keith. It is a and I did mean to interrupt you. I'm not going to say I did. I did. Stop using Explore. Take it off, unpin it. Don't ever look at it again. Please, for the love. Really of need to uninstall it. But if you can't and don't know how to do it, just leave it alone. Yes. So uh, Microsoft Edge was the successor, and Microsoft Edge was actually a very good browser. There was nothing wrong with it, except that it was a Microsoft browser, right? It was. It was just the the next iteration of Internet Explorer. So Microsoft pushed M Microsoft Edge over the cliff, which they are want to do. Um, and they reinvented Microsoft Edge using Chromium. So the new Microsoft Edge is actually built on the same technology as Google Chrome. The new Microsoft Edge browser, and I know you don't like Microsoft products, Tess, but it is spectacular. And why it is, is it spectacular? Because it is, they bit off my Google. Oh, sorry. <laughs> It is fast. It is lean. It is actually very nice to use. Um, I personally use Firefox um, because I'm a security wonk, right? And Firefox is a little bit a bit better for me security-wise and privacy-wise than all of the other browsers. But Microsoft Edge is there as well. But the cool thing about the new Microsoft Edge is you can actually import all of your all of the tools that you use with Google Chrome because it's built on Chromium. So you can bring over all those bookmarks and all of those add-ons that you currently use in Chrome. So please give the new Microsoft Edge a try, even if you're on iOS. So let's go back a little bit. So, so I have um, a little, another one. So um, yes, definitely try that. You can do the exact same thing within Brave. So I use Brave all the time. Brave is a, a Mozilla uh, product. Uh, mm -hmm. So you can import every aspect of um, 
Chrome, it's built on Chromium too, all, all over. All of your extensions come over automatically. All your bookmarks can come over automatically. And it's so much lighter than Chrome, even though I love Chrome to death. I still go back and forth because things are not necessarily optimized for it. So what you may see in the Microsoft world on the Edge side, on Brave side, is certain things may not um, work as well and you might have to go back to your firefox or back to your chrome just because it's out there and that's what the developers are building to but just kind of go back and forth for a little bit and find which one you like and which well and that, that's a really good point right try other browsers right the world is not mm -hmm. firefox and chrome right there are mm -hmm. other there just are like other it, browsers just like everyone made you think explorer was the uh, that yeah. explorer was a was a browser like the only browser is explorer like like, uh, what is it? What's my favorite, Keith? Saran Wrap. Like, you think everything. <laughs> it was like Kleenex, Saran right? Wrap is a brand. <laughs> like, right. Microsoft is a brand. <laughs> like, Explorer is a brand. Well, like, you remember Opera, the browser from way back <laughs> oh, yeah. in the day? It's, oh, my gosh. I used to love Opera on my, on my Android phone. Absolutely. And it's, it's still there. It still works. It's still really it's good. Still, um, mm -hmm. You know, Absolutely. but but yes. If, for all of the Microsoft aficionados out there, please give the new Microsoft Edge a try. I love it. Please do. And I say do brave too. Just saying. All right. So boring company tunnel. What, what, what's that kid? So you know Elon Musk, right? The guy who yeah, launches, launches things into space and builds really cool cars and smokes pot on podcasts. You mean, the, you mean the most silent car I've ever been into and I freaked out. I got into an Uber. Uh, oh no, Lyft uh, when we were in D.C. And I was like... It was a Tesla? Oh, uh, no, it was a D.C. Or was it Sandy? Where were we? I don't know. Where, I, I, you know how many no, cities? No, no, it was actually in... No, it was in... What you think? It was in San Diego. Was it Old Man? It was Old yeah. It was in yeah, it was yeah, Man. It was San Diego. Oh my gosh, I had to go get me some, some nice healthy juice. I do and, remember that. And you remember that? Yes. And I ordered my, my Lyft and what rolled up was his brother in a Tesla. I was like, oh. <laughs> they are I sat special. in there and I lost my mind. I didn't so, think I was going to lose my mind. I always have been fond of Elon, but I lost my mind. I was like, this is like for real, because in my mind, I realized how we were in Vegas last year sometime and I literally almost hit the button for us to be picked up um, at Mandalay Bay in the self-driving vehicle. And then Ooh. the team couldn't make up their minds, which was fine. But then by the time they made up their mind and they agreed with me, then it was gone. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, and Keith, sorry. So next, time just, just act. next time, just act. Yeah, um, I should have. Well, and you actually make it, that's a very nice segue because you mentioned Tesla. Um, so beyond Elon being a little bit nutty lately, um, his company, The Boring Company, and they're not actually boring, they drill holes. They have, they have built a tunnel underneath the Las Vegas Convention Center that goes from one end to the other, and they will be using Tesla Series 3, is that the SUV one? Um, but to shuttle people via these two tunnels across, so they're taking that for those of us that have spent a lot of time in the Las Vegas Convention Center, it's very big. It's very long. A 20 minute walk end to end or 15 minute And walk getting bigger. And getting bigger. Uh, they are going to use these tunnels that will now, you'll zip along in a Tesla. You'll hop in and they will start off with drivers. 
um, but eventually they're going to be autonomous. So they'll just zip you down through these tunnels to the other end. Um, they're going to take that 15 minute walk down to, I think, two or three minutes, which I think is really cool. It's really neat. Um, you know, he did say, you know, the boring company actually was going to build a tunnel from downtown Chicago, where I am, to O'Hare Airport. Um, but then that kind of got nixed. And we were all really excited, right? Because they were going to do this thing right underneath the highway and build it right out to the airport. Um, but it'll be really cool to see how well it goes in Vegas. Oh, that's amazing. I mean, most people do not realize how many underground cities that there are, which is for two other shows from now. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, there are tons of underground cities that exist. Um, so that's this is just pretty much a modern day version of this, which is great. Um, really cool stuff. Uh, Keith, ACLU Clear View Facial Recognition. Uh huh. So the, the ACLU. So the ACLU is getting wow. in. Uh, they have jumped in and they are suing uh, Clearview AI, um, which does facial recognition. So, and the reason that they are suing uh, Clearview is because Clearview is, um, for all intents and purposes, they're not doing good things with your data, um, especially your biometric data. Uh, so that is why they are suing. But it's going to open up the floodgates, especially for companies that want to offer facial recognition for people to get into conferences and events. And that do actually some yes. do it now. So. Some do do it now. Um, basically, for organizations. Uh, my, I guess my advice on this for now is to stay out of these waters um, because you are contracting with a third party to collect biometric data on your members and attendees. Um, what happens to that data, right? Where is this data going? And what if they have a breach? You know, I love the fact that people are embracing this technology. I think it's cool. I think it's great that I can walk in and, and, you know, like clear, like you were talking about test clear at the airport where they scan your iris and you can just go right in. Awesome. It is next level cool stuff. But I think that the security has to come first. I think that your member and attendee data has to be the number one thing that, that you're concerned with because these companies are going to have breaches and you don't want to be the one that's on the hook when your attendee and member data especially biometric data is then out there in the wind. So, uh, you know, this is, it brings up wonderful, wonderful talk topics, you know, about security. We've, our past episodes have been about it. You know, I'm, I'm a firm believer of protecting yourself. And, you know, this is kind of where Keith and I differ in a little bit because, you know, I come from this space of, I've said it a hundred times, which is you need to protect yourself as much as you will help you feel comfortable at night. Um, so I try to get people to get in the mindset of being fearless when it comes to protecting yourself and data and not scaring yourself, right? Meaning don't come from the standpoint that your efforts are going to lock you down and out of anything, right? Um, you've got... Uh, surveillance happening and have been happening for many, many years. So certain data that they, it's almost in essence, like if they scan your face as data, they already had your face to just really matching the data to what they already have. And when I say they, meaning there are sources where the there's thing. data that lives sure. <laughs> well, right? and, constantly. And, and so it's about you know, if you're adding to it, you know, or not. And I, I don't know that I disagree with you. 
uh, right. I, I think I do a lot of stuff. Like, you know, my fingerprint is on my iPad and, you know, it's on my, my, my phone. And, and I think my concern comes from an organizational standpoint, right? So if you're a large association and, and, or a large event, right. Mm -hmm. And, and you are using that biometric data and, and the company that is supplying that technology to you gets hacked. You're on the hook for that, right? You're going to be on the hook for that data leak. So, so I, I guess it's, you know, this is almost comes down to a do as, you know, what, what I do personally may not be what I would do in a corporate setting. And I've, I mean, it was conference just, just, yeah. you know, I'm not going to mention any names. If we, I used the, the facial recognition at conferences several times before, oh, and I, even most recently, you know, in 2020, um, and it was done and it was done very, very well, but and it's cool as hell. It's, I, it's cool. And, you know, we've, you talked about in our sessions, facial recognitions and all the software that's out there and the companies that, mm-hmm. um, that are producing it and doing them and doing them well. So I think it's still a matter of that association as organization, corporation, whomever decided to take the risk when they decided to go down that road. Yeah. And, and we as, as going, paying to go to a conference or being an attendee as a conference have given up our, um, have uh, signed a waiver yeah. based on what we're doing and we can choose to do it sure. when we're on their site or do it the old fashioned way. Right. Yeah. And, and I mean, and I've used it as well and I got it. I'll, I'll say, right. Do, again, do as I say, not as I do. Um, you know, <laughs> I like, I love it when I go and it is cause right. It does. It makes life easy. Boom, I'm in. Um, however, it's clear all the time when I go. Yeah, fly and clear is awesome. The time. Right? And my and my clear is not my fingerprints; it's my iris. Yeah, right. But but I also think, I think from a from a legal standpoint, right? I think we're in really muddy waters. I, I think that you know if the ACLU is going after Clearview. Um, because again, their practices are bad, right? Just we know that from the get-go. Um, but well, come on, tell people why do you, why do we say that? What if people don't know who Clearview is? You said a little bit about them, but what? Give 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 them at least one little baby song. So well, they may say, so, "Oh yeah, case, that's Clearview." With the case of of the ACLU and Clearview, they're, they're actually alleging that Clearview Clearview is violating a well-known in my state, Illinois, biometric privacy law. So basically what, what the, the, the ACLU actually isn't going after them for collecting biometric data. They're actually going after them saying that they're actually violating the law in the way that they're collecting and keeping that data. See, um, and, that's a to- and that's totally different. So our, yeah. our readers and listeners should understand it from that standpoint. So there are a lot, what we're saying is there are laws in place to protect people and to tell you this is how you should handle the data and managing yeah. it. And, and, that, you, right? you, you and do, then they have violated that. That's what yeah. we're saying. And, and you actually make a really good point, right? So, so the whole crux of this one is that they've illegally collected and stored data on uh, here, Illinois citizens without their consent, right? So when you're attending a conference, you are giving your consent. So, so that, that, is a, that is a very valid point. But my thinking on the legality of it is, is you've got to know the company and, and their, yes. how they're doing it, right? Yes, so absolutely. If, so here, like here is your, like here's my what if, 
right? What if I hire a company to do facial recognition to let people into a conference? A hundred people have said, sure, that's awesome. And they look into their camera and they do the biometric thing, right? But then there's a hundred people who say no. But without their knowledge, that company is still collecting that biometric data, right? I, I don't know. Right now, I just think there are way too many, way too many, way too many holes in this. Mm, and I don't agree, but that, I think it's great. I think we, we are saying the same thing. Yeah, yes. And we're, we're not, we're not there's that holes in everything in my, there's holes in everything. Yeah. Yeah. We are, we're not that far apart. Mm-mm, not at all. See, this is good. I love when we go back and forth. It's so I know, exciting. right? It's exciting. Exciting. <laughs> so there you okay. Go. And that is the news for the event tech pull up show for the day. Again, I hope that as you're entering into the next segment with our wonderful guest, Jillian, you will get extra excited about what she has to say. So we have, as I said before, an exciting guest for us today. We have Jillian Cardinal. She is the sales manager, JPDL currently, as well as the creator, organizer, and host of the Event Profs Book Club. I'm really excited for her to be here. I know Keith is as well. And I'll tell her, tell all of you all a little bit about my affinity with books uh, a little later as we weave through the conversation. So let's say I, I had gotten this lovely little fun fact about her. So Jillian started the Event Profs Book Club, which combines her passion for people, discourse, ideation, and discussion, facilitation, and books. Love of books, right? Uh, and as we are pivoting, she's done a wonderful thing. Um, she began this idea not too long ago, ever evolving, and is now true virtual event, a true virtual event and growing community. She has a community and a tribe that uh, has an affinity for her and what she's done for our industry, which we are happy to have. Um, we know that this is the positive aspects of us sheltering in space, in, in, uh, in place, in space. It, it's, well, space it, could be, for me. it could be space for all. <laughs> That's for even all my psych background. Yeah, my 40 and split. Right? <laughs> uh, and um, so she, uh, some of her lovely accolades is that she's been selected as PCMA's 20 in her 20 class of 2020. Thank you. 2020's class of 2020. Um, And she's the only one from Canada. And I have this special place in my heart for Canadians. Love them dearly. And a Smart Women in Meetings Award for Rising Star 2020. Right? And one of 36 to take part in ICCA's, ICCA's, I love ICCA as well, Forum for Young Professionals, the only North American and that was in November of 2019, which is the end so, of last so, year. So, Tess, so, and you were in the 50... 15 over 50. Over 50 15, 15 over 50. Yeah. And I'm nothing. Keith, <laughs> <laughs> no. No, absolutely not. You would value. <laughs> absolutely. As I told you before, you're what makes me shine. So oh, don't even well, try it. Thank you. Tess, I'm going to let you down a little bit, but I'm an American girl in Montreal. So (laughs) there's part of my heart that's Canadian and I'm going to be applying for citizenship, but there's the American girl inside. Yes, and there there are 348 million other Americans that are actually thinking (laughs) the same thing you. (laughs) 
but I'm already here. So yeah, which is a beautiful thing. But that's for another show. Yes. So. Keith, uh, yeah. tell tell us a little bit about what you know of her and kind of bring us into why we know she's here and why we thought she would be fantastic for the show. Look at that. I always do that. I always like stall. When I'm about to, it's so, the Keith stall. We need to have a name the re- for that. The reason I wanted Jillian on this program is because <laughs> Jillian is one of the coolest people I've ever met. Um, and, and the ability to take something like the Event Props Book Club I, I, is, is, is amazing. It is something that is, that is simple in concept yet hard to do. Uh, virtually, and you know, she and I have talked for a long time, and we, the, we were talking about how how engagement um, engagement with events, how oh, a book club, and she's like, well, yeah. Um, so, so I don't know where I'm going with that. Well, it's about <laughs> the virtual networking and matchmaking, though, Keith. I mean, if you think about it, I mean, when you when you, when you, when you have the ability to come together on a subject that people love, which is books, right? Um, yeah. And people love books in different ways. And technically, it's only content. It's just kind of put in between bookends. Um, and if you're myself, I love to engage with books through Audible versus reading paper because mm. I love digital really? expressions. Yeah, I'm not a, I, I, I was a kid, a, a lover of books, right? Hard copies, right? But then as I became more tech, I don't like things with, with hard covers. I only so, like digital. I only like to consume data so you, digitally. You, you wanna know a fact about me? Mm-hmm. I'm a nine book at a time reader. Go ahead. I, well, I, everyone has their and, thing. Because they're all in different genres, right? And so I love I, it. Because I don't, so instead of TV, it's just whatever mood I'm in, that's the book I read. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like, but, it, so it's, it's different, right? Today is different. So how we're converting it over, like when you're telling me, okay, she's coming, we're talking about engaging virtually. Oh my gosh, she's got a book club. Mm-hmm. All of us look at it differently. So, so how did you start the book club? Well, I mean, yeah. Tess and I, you and I are just sitting here talking, Tess. Let's bring Jillian into the conversation. <laughs> Yeah, um, oh, so she can come. Where, where did where? Because again, the first time we met at IMAX, yep. yep. I, I I was literally I was I almost missed a flight because it was so fascinating. Um, so tell us about the Event Pros Book Club. Sure. So I started it last March, and it looks completely different than how it is now. So the idea kind of came at PCMA convening leaders, and I was in line for the bathroom, and I was in a very long line, as we always are, ladies. Um, and I was talking to someone about basically the content of the speaker just before. And I was thinking about the quality of conversations that we get at these types of events. And then in between, you know, it's, it's on our own volition. So then I had the idea of, can we kind of marry these types of conversations in between the conferences with these fantastic people. And during that same show, they had a leadership kind of bookstore where the heads of PCMA and different leaders, they would pick their selections. So the very first one I aligned with Claire Smith and I was facing the challenge of, I have people from all different time zones. And that's something that I'm still kind of grappling with of how are we gonna get them to engage? So first it was kind of more of a digital platform on, it's all digital platforms, on LinkedIn and typing. 
And then that started to evolve to, I want to actually see people. So we started doing Zoom meetings. So this has been in the works since officially last March. And I met, I met Keith, as he said, at IMAX. And how we actually met, it's a funny story. Um, I was supposed to be on a plane and my plane canceled and pushed me to later in the day. So I'm like, why not just walk around the show on the last day? That would be nice. I had about two hours of sleep inside of me. And... I saw Keith, <laughs> I sat down, I warned him that I have about two hours of sleep inside of me, but somehow we got into this fabulous conversation because I wanted to bring this idea to him and, and see what he thought. Um, and, and basically from what we discussed and kind of putting together a plan even, it's been going that way with some changes. And now this guy's kind of the limit. Now we're getting into the really cool sweet spot where I'm bringing in authors I've made reading strongly suggested, but not mandatory because there were so many people that felt guilty that they weren't reading the book and they didn't want to join. So I'm like, let me alleviate that for you. You don't have to read. I'm going to design the event that you can still participate with your own experience. And I want you there. So it's kind of becoming, I don't want to use the word webinar. I was using it before. I'm not using it now. Um, but before I was saying a webinar meets workshop meets book club but it's, it's now a virtual event. And so what's cool is this started before COVID. Um, so now it's that perfect sweet spot of people really wanting to find their tribe, finding ways to engage that aren't just happy hours and finding like-minded people to have these conversations and stimulation going until we can see each other again. And even when we can see each other again. Well, and I, I, and that to me, I thought was, was so intriguing, right? It, it, because it is one of those things where a book club, right? And not, and, and even with the book clubs in a neighborhood, for example, not everyone's reading the book. I mean, the, what, what's the joke? The book club is actually just wine club, yeah. um, it, but it, it, it is, it is a place for, for, for people to come together. And I think with what a lot of event professionals are forgetting is they're trying so hard they're trying so hard to get attendees and everyone to engage and they're trying bigger and bigger tricks to make it happen mm -hmm. where it's like, why don't you use the tried and true things that we already know people enjoy and people like just do it virtually digitally. Right. And, and I, that, that I think is what, what, why I was like, it was one of those things where I just sat down and I was like, wow, it works. <laughs> Right. Because, you know, yeah. and, and to your point about not not even having the book or reading the book, you, you don't have to because you know that these are your like minded people. Mm -hmm. Right. Based mm -hmm. on the book or, ba you know, right. Or based on the crowd, you know, it's your 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 tribe. Yeah. 100%. So, so um, Jillian, uh, just want to share with you my experience, and I think it goes really nice into our next question. Um, that we have for you. It's like earlier this week at about eight o'clock in the evening here in Eastern time, um, the New York Public Library had hosted this talk, if you will, with Terry McMillan, who is a world famous writer, um, and my dear friend, Tiara Jones, who um, is world famous writer as well. Um, and they both sat down and had conversation and people joined in just to listen to them because Terry 
Um, she's the author of most people know of how Stella got a group back from the movie, right? Um, mm -hmm. And she's got her own personality through her writings. And then she's got, of course, her own personality as an author. And just to be able to, I've seen her before, but a lot of people may not have. But to see the difference between the two, what her thought process was when she sat down and developed each one of the characters. She's got a new book out and that's really the, was the topic, but it was more about how the dialogue happened between the two great authors, right? Tiara being the author of American Marriage, that's huge. You know, she's been Oprah Book Club, right? Both of them. Um, it's kind of like, how do we engage? Now that's good for me, as I said, a person who doesn't want to open a book to listen, I'll do audio. I like different kinds of content. So how is that, this concept transferable to kind of how you do the pre-conference discussions, right? You know, does that lend itself to me as a planner hiring speakers who have books, right? To come in and do something with a set of the audience who have purchased, let's say, the VIP level or the full conference package to have access a little bit before, during, or kind of. Now, now I've got that. a question with what you were just saying before, because naturally I like questions. Um, <laughs> so did, did they have a, a host or a facilitator that was kind of guiding their dialogue or was it just the two of them, you know, acoustic? So no, I'm they just had a whole, uh, they had a host who kicked it off. Right. Okay. And that's it. She left it alone oh. and let the two stars be the two stars. So Tiari oh. was a facilitator for it. So she was interviewing Terry. If okay. you will. So you got to hear both. Right. And you got to see both personnel, like what they were, you know, how they admired each other, you know, uh, what kinds of things they like to do. And mm -hmm. It was all kinds of things that were coming through. And then here's the audience who are able to observe because it, it wasn't an interactive audience. It wasn't, you know, okay. you can see a basis or anything, but everything was set up more like just a, a, a viewed webinar. And, and what yeah, you said there, the too, before we move on to your other question, um, that, that hits a point because as I've been planning and as they have been growing, I need to bring it back to the purpose of this is about books. This is about people coming together, dialoguing, learning, inspiring each other, learning from one another on the subject of this book and overall forming a community is the goal. So when I've been kind of designing these events, if it starts to get webinary, and that's why I don't like the word, I'm like, no, 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 that's not the purpose. That's not the purpose. We don't need to go onto four different other platforms to get people involved. There's, there's minor things even just on Zoom um, that we can stay on and be able to get that level of engagement while still remembering you've got a fantastic opportunity to be speaking with the author and speaking with all of these other people across North America overall. And, and just remembering again, what's the purpose? The purpose is the books. Don't clutter it because then it's gonna get confused and lose its place. So really trying to stay, stay true to that. So to your point, it, right now it's its own standalone event and community that's forming. And one of the ideas I had in the back of my head before COVID was it would be fantastic to bring this to face-to-face -to -face at conferences as well. So now it could be face-to-face -face at conferences or it could be that hybrid dynamic where whether it's the main stage speaker 
and starting the engagement before the event where we're discussing the book and we're getting excited so that when we actually hear them, we're going to be able to listen with a whole different other lens and not just be that passive participant, but I know exactly what you're talking about and where that's coming from because I read it in the book and I, you know, discussed it with all of my buddies. Um, so you have that pre, you have that during where it could be a breakout session where then you compare it. So we have our dialogue from before and it's that ongoing community that we had that discussion, we heard them speak. Now we wanna meet up again and we wanna compare the two. And then you have the after dialogue. There, there's other books, there's ways just to continue it. So it, it applies to so much. And the books that I'm selecting overall are professional, personal development, some touch on events, some just touch on being a really interesting human being. And I'm a self-prescribed, uh, insatiably curious person. So I feel like if I'm gonna be interested in it, other people will be as well. So just finding different topics that just will pique that curiosity, that interest, that dialogue that either we're you know, living through now or we might be. Well, and that, I mean, cool concept, right? So you could actually, yes, you know, you're doing, you know, the Event Props Book Club, which is 365 days a year, mm -hmm. um, you know, but with someone with a conference, you know, yes, you could do something in the months leading up to it yeah. um, and then actually have everyone get together at, at the event virtually and or, you know, in person or hybrid because uh -huh. what a great way to link uh, two audiences, exactly. um, but it, then it just keeps going, right? So you, you've created that one community that is a part of your event, your conference, but isn't. Um, you know, even if the conference or event went away, that group could still be together. Yeah, and right. you think of also membership engagement or, you know, an association and another way to kind of keep those conversations, the tribes, the communities forming, that can be something that can be done in conjunction with as well. Right. And then, you know, I kind of thought about something else, like from that using, since you're using Zoom, you know, using that polling aspect to help yeah. uh, drive the questions from the book club, right? And kind of, this is what we want the speaker to have. Right. Exactly. So, so we've been doing polling. We've been doing on the side when you've got the participant list and you can click yes or no and see how many do it. That's been a good way to do it as well. And the last book club, I actually had a graphic recorder who joined in and she drew the whole session, which was really cool to see how she interpreted it. Um, so she's gonna actually be doing the next one next week as well, participating in it. And then just after that, later this month, she's actually gonna be hosting or co-hosting an event, uh, teaching us how to visually draw our goals and visual goal setting, which usually I do my events typically about every six weeks so people can read, but this one I moved up a bit because it's, it's slightly unconventional that we're gonna be sitting there and drawing, but right now more than ever, even in ourselves, we're doing the pivot. So trying to figure out where we wanna go, I feel would be a great, a great topic. Yeah, there, okay, I've got like five different questions raging through <laughs> Uh, so, so, so for you, you're doing the events process book club, but if someone actually were to ask you, would you do it for them? You know, is oh, that, yeah. is that something that, 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 cause I know that's going to be a question I'm going to get to say, Hey, you saw that person and they were talking about, you know, do they do that? So that's actually, that's actually one question I do want to ask. Um, 
So should I answer that now or do you want to go to the other questions? Go ahead and answer that one now and then we'll okay. then we'll slide into the other ones. <laughs> yeah. So 100% and again that goes with the reflection that's going on during corona and having a bit more time on our hands um, and being really being really reflective and pensive. Um, but that is something that I definitely see when I back up. So I really love presenting and I really, <laughs> I love, you know, being out there and that's my whole career has been that way thus far in different areas. So I came from high-end architectural luxury sales and I moved up here and then I transitioned into the events world and it's always kind of been that that storytelling, the presenting, the being out there, the getting people excited which I love. And so this last event, it was the first one of its scale, of its size, I'd say, for the book club, we had 30 some odd people that joined in. Most of them were first timers. And what was exciting there was I had my setup. And as soon as it went on, I'm like, I feel like I'm exactly the same Jillian, even behind this camera versus just being on the stage. So that lit something inside of me of, you know what, maybe not everyone's comfortable being behind the camera and getting people to want to get involved with one another, bringing your personality, making people actually smile and eliciting a reaction. And then I thought that, yes, this book club, whether it's book club or the concept behind it, could be translatable. So just that facilitation, moderation, hosting, you know, community engagement, yes, I, I kind of went off on a tangent. You said you love rabbit holes, but yes, that's something I'd be very interested in and keep honing in those those muscles, those skills to build that and to help other communities that would value that. Well, and it's and and that actually that's perfect because my next question, I don't know if it was a question or more of just me going down my own rabbit hole, but okay. but but this applies to every single vertical, whatever you want to call it, right? Yep. It does, you know. If you look at, uh, you know, a physician's association or surgeons, right? Okay, you know, they can do that, right? You know, if you look at nurses, if you look at a company where, you know, uh, one, of, one of my clients, right, every year they have a sales meeting, right? You could do this with a sales book, um, you know, on there, it just, there isn't any Yeah, it's, the sky's the limit. Yeah. And, yeah. and you think of HR as well. So if there's certain types of topics that we want to discuss on what better way to do that with a book. So we all kind of have a common foundation that we can start on that aligns us and then we bring our own opinions to it. So that makes it really interesting where I was talking to an author um, that I'm probably going to host in a couple months, I'd say, and he discusses about all different types of teams and teams, T-E-A-M-S. And we were discussing, you know, what would be fun is if each person took a different lens. So if you were bringing that to a company, say, and we divide the group up and you have the lens of someone who's the CEO for forming teams reading this book, you have the lens of someone in HR, the lens of someone in accounting, the lens of someone in sales, and it's in a different role than who you are reading that way. So you get that active style of listening, a different way of thinking, and then an empathy as well for those other types of people. I think that could be super fun. Oh, that would be amazing. <laughs> Look how excited she gets. That would be amazing. <laughs> well, it is. And it, it's, it's, it is such a natural way to get people to interact, right? Yeah. It, it's not forced, right? If you just want to be the person who tunes in and listens, yeah. 
be the person that tunes in and listens, right? But if you want to be the person who engages, you certainly can. Um, you know, and again, always looking for, you know, things that will work in the virtual event world and the live event world, you know, this, it, it is unique, right? It is one of those things where it's, you're not doing speed dating. You're not doing, you know, you're actually asking people to get involved before they even come, yeah. right? They're doing something. They're actually, you know, you know, as much as they want, right? You know, if, okay. if I start to read a book and I don't really like it, you know, I might get halfway through, right? But at least you can get in there. And you bring and you, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And then you, it's still built for hybrid. It's mm -hmm. not, it's not just virtual, right? The technology that you could use could be anything, as you said, but you yeah. kept it very simple. So everyone has the good, you know, can kind of access it. And I like how you're saying, I can come as I am, right? If I don't mm -hmm. have a love for a hard book, right? I can still come and still engage. Yeah, yeah, like actually a lot of the books, I don't, I don't want to say I don't pre-vet them. I, I do, but I don't read all of them before because I also want to bring my own experience and perspective because sometimes I've read some books where it's, I thought it was going to be fantastic and I was pleasantly surprised when I actually started reading it and other people felt the same way and hearing someone who's leading the dialogue who chose that book as well saying, you know, it's not fully what I expected. It, it adds that own that honesty to it. It's not just these yeah. are all the books that are truly this. No, some of them just are good. And then we discuss it from there. Nice, 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 nice. So, all right. So, Tess, you were going to say something? No, no. No? So, no. so lead into another question is, mm. is you're you're good you are good at this have you given thought to actually hosting and 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 doing you know virtual events rather than just the book club right because i i know that that's something i can't do um you know but someone who actually wanted you to come in and do their book club they could also just have you be the host um mm -hmm. which then there's the narrative that goes all the way through an event because you mm -hmm. can always draw it back to anyway so like the Oprah Winfrey of the, the virtual event world. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I would love that title. Yes. <laughs> so yeah, wholeheartedly. And, and that would be actually something very intelligent if you have these types of sessions and if there's certain themes, carrying those themes throughout, because like they're saying, you, you know, we have a conference that would be perhaps three days. It's not going to be like that virtually. It's going to be spread out longer, or perhaps we can actually segment it where we're going to be working on specific themes, bringing in different types of speakers. You know, how great would it be if we've got the theme of creativity, or we have the team of a theme of team building, and you have a book that's focused around that, and then every speaker that comes in is focused on that theme, and any of the breakout sessions are on that topic. You know, it makes it much more cohesive, engaging, and it makes your brain actually want to stay involved, especially when we're still just behind the screen, then maybe bouncing all over the place. It gives us a little yeah. bit of a filter. Oh man, I just, uh, there are so many, so many cool things going through my head. Like, you know, if you did a, and again, I keep falling back on the sales meeting only because I had a meeting with a client that, does, that that's what we're talking about. Uh, mm. But you know, if, if you have a CEO or someone who's high up, who really thinks a book or something is great for that whole team, you're absolutely right, right? You can then take that book and weave it through the entire, it gives a theme to the entire event beyond, and then if you can get that speaker to actually come in. Ooh. <laughs> well, well, to that point, um, so 
Have you read The Art of Gathering, Priya Parker? No. Okay, so well, that's going to be a future book. Um, but she talks about it's it's the journey. So it's not just when your your guests and your participants arrive at let's say the conference center or arrive at our virtual event space. You got to set it up before and you have to set it up after and then kind of even going with the event canvas idea. What's the change of behavior that you want at the end right. of that conference when they walk out of it. So this is something where you can just it's, it's very fitting going with a story where you've got a journey, but setting up the journey, setting up the story of the full event as you should be doing. Right. And you map that along with that theme of the book. Yes, and I'm glad you mentioned the event canvas. I love Ruth and Joel very mm. much. Um, and they do a wonderful job with that in the certification. Yeah. So, and it's all about the event design, right? So how are you designing this experience uh, for the attendees uh, as well as your participants, whomever they are, whether they're speakers or not? Exactly. So Keith, do you have one wrap-up question for Jillian before she tells us her closing thought? No, because you know what? I think we hit all of our questions. Look, I didn't even pause on that one. Usually I'm like, huh, what? <laughs> um, it's a, you know, no, because I, I actually want, I want people to just think on this, right? I don't want to ask all the questions that they need uh, because I think this is an idea that if you get it in your brain, that little germ in your brain, it's, ooh, probably not a bad word to use. Yeah, that's not a good word. Yeah. <laughs> If you get that seed, that, that, that glimmer of inspiration, yes, or that seed planted in your brain, um, you know what? Yeah, let, let it grow because again, I don't think when it comes to something like like the event prospect club and the offshoot that would be at your event, I, I I don't think there is any event where you couldn't make it applicable. Mm -hmm. I I yeah. really don't. I, no, you know, it isn't. You know, you know, and it's not even a stretch to intertwine it with your event, right? It's, it's you know. you're not forcing anything. It is just something, you know what? If, if you have an event with a hundred people and only 20 people engage in, in whatever this is, you still have 20 really engaged people. Well, think also, again, going back to member engagement or sponsorship or anything like that. So as part of your package where you might not be having as many face-to-face -face events now, things along those lines, here you've got another way of having a community. So whether you're sent the book, you know, that could be a very interesting sponsorship idea. And having that dialogue throughout that's housed for your association or for your company. You know, again, yeah. the sky literally is the limit and that's what's really exciting about this. Um, and, and every single time going to that design thinking, it's, it's ideating. So every single event that we've had, there's something different that I try each time just to see, not where it's so radically different, because again, we got to remember the purpose, but just a little something. So what I'm thinking of starting next is a podcast for the book club. But what I'm going to do for those people that feel really guilty of having not read the book or want a refresher, kind of a spark notes, um, not too opinionated, mm -hmm. but just here's an overview of what the book is. Listen for mm -hmm. a few minutes, get at least an idea of what we're going to be discussing, you know, having interviews with authors and, and who knows from there. So just try that out and, and we can see. So it's really nice. exciting. It is nice. very, it's yeah. so cool. Really neat, neat, really neat. Well, Julian, thank you so much. We really thank appreciate you. you taking the time and sharing your creativity with us on engaging differently in mm -hmm. the virtual as well as hybrid space. 
Thank you to you both as well. It's been a pleasure. And next week, we're actually doing The Creative Curve, which is an amazing book. I loved it. And next Thursday, so you can still RSVP on our website, which will probably be in the show notes. And it will. Great. Yes. <laughs> and what, tell us the website address too, for those who uh, yep, may so just want to listen. Pretty, pretty simple. So it's www.theeventprofsbookclub.com. Funny because, how that works, isn't it? <laughs> it's event props with an S, correct? Yes, ma'am. Yep. That's right. And then the end of the month, we're going to be having, as I mentioned, the graphic recorder. She wrote a book, but we're going to be kind of almost having a workshop about how to visually map out our goals because there is a proven connection behind goal setting and actually putting it on the paper and getting it out there. And then in July, it's going to be a repeat event, but it's so important that I wanted to repeat it. So it's on the subject of human trafficking. And we're bringing in the founder of Meeting Professionals Against Human Trafficking and the author of the memoir to discuss. And now I'm working on a few different other books for end of summer, fall and onwards. See, and now nice. here, we go, here, we go, here we go down a rabbit hole. Um, and that, Tess, I know, I know we need to wrap up, but th that, the human trafficking angle I think is fantastic. And it also goes to show, do not underestimate your audience. Mm. Do not give them fluff. Your, your right. audience, exactly. your members, they are smart so. yes, and they can handle this stuff. So Absolutely. Absolutely. Julian, the only thing that we didn't do, which I'd like to know just off, if you could tell our, our listeners, you know, is there a fee to join the book club um, ongoing or is it, you know, can you just at least shed the light on that? Yeah. That, I know we can go to the website, but just let us know. Yeah. That's a great question because I've actually been getting that question from participants saying they're surprised that it's free. Um, because up until now, I have been doing it for free for a community kind of engagement. So as of now, it is it is still free. So so get in now. <laughs> get in now. <laughs> Join the community. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so very much, Jillian. Again, it's been a pleasure talking with you. Thank you both. I'll see you on the other side of the book. Yes. Yay.